Hello, welcome to Back to the Point. My name is Migs, and my other host over there is Ian. This is our first podcast back from the holiday break. Ian, how is your holiday break? How is Christmas and New Year's for you? It's pretty good. I drove back up to the Sacramento area. Had a nice audio book that Migs and I both are enjoying. He's farther ahead, don't spoil it. It's Oathbringer by Brandon Sanderson. Definitely made the drive of seven hours up, seven hours down. Really, really nice. Mm-hmm. So we had a good time. Spent probably about a week there. Just enjoyed the colder weather. Makes it feel a little bit more like Christmassy. Then we spent New Year's down in <clears throat> Irvine and just hung out. And then we had a little baby moon. So we had a little vacation to ourselves before the baby comes. And we stayed in Sedona, Arizona. And it was awesome. And you saw the, saw Grand, the Grand Canyon, Canyon right? for the first yeah. time ever. And that was crazy cool. So we had, fun. I had a whole internship in Arizona and I never made it out to the Grand Canyon. It was pretty yeah. lame. Pretty it's hard, hard when you're by yourself. It was actually, yeah, it was actually closer for you, right? You yeah. were uh, yeah, it Kingman. Was, I don't know. I was fairly close to one, one side of the Grand Canyon. You were closer to the North Rim. Yeah, I did, we, I did some stuff on the weekends. The but it's, yeah, it's difficult when you're alone. I had one of my, my classmates there for a time, but... Um, you know, with schedules and everything. And I had three-day weekends, too, so that was actually a pretty bad oh, excuse. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, you, oh, you, but you did have your car there. Yeah. <clears throat> I did, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, Arizona, um, it has that, like, beauty to it, that desert totally. beauty sort yeah. of thing, you know. I'm not sure I'd want to live there long term, but I could see how it could be got, pretty appealing. I got a little ways. bit more respect to it. I mean, yeah. also, it was winter, and it was still, like, in the high 60s low 70s at the coldest point of the year for them so yeah i guess that was a little abnormal but um i could definitely do with like a a a nice dramatic arizona sunset once in a while that seems pretty yeah maybe that was pretty cool maybe the prettiest sunset i've ever seen maybe when i was backpacking in yosemite that was up there because of the elevation we were at but seeing the you know whole sky purple pink it's beautiful uh, over the red rock and just big open sky was pretty cool. And I guess connecting to Hog, you went over to JoeBing.com Arena and the whole. I went uh, to the arena formerly known as JoeBing.com Arena. It is now. Oh, formerly JoeBing.com Arena. Yes, it is now uh, Gila River oh, Arena. That's right, I forgot. The title yeah. sponsors the Gila River Casinos. They have three in the area, so. Do they still. Does it say Gila River Arena, arena on that? Yeah, it does. I have okay. uh, I have the pictures I showed you, and then you. I thought I, I my mind is remembering things incorrectly in the picture, but uh, that was a fun trip overall. Yeah, it was great. How was yours? Uh, good. Uh, went up to Northern California for New Year's, but stayed in the San Diego area for um, Christmas. That was uh, my wife and I's first Christmas together. which sounds strange but yeah but even when we were dating we would just be with our individual families yeah because uh for those listeners haven't been listening for the whole full time uh migs was married married last year (laughs) um and we both are originally from san jose spent the majority of our lives there um and this is just a podcast about our lives now right yeah (laughs) (laughs) we talk about this is san jose sharks podcast and we talk about the san jose sharks yeah. <laughs> but we we moved down to the <laughs> Southern California area for college 
and have since stayed. Oops. Uh, yeah, so tell me what's going on for you this year. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, really excited for April. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you are having a baby, so that's a big yeah. deal. You already have sharks onesies, right? We have six sharks onesies. Six already? Oh, my Listeners, gosh. we are set. Send us more. <laughs> but we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to send you anything. <laughs> no one will send you anything. <laughs> yeah. no. Anyway, um... So I guess let's get to it then at this point. Um, I guess something I'd want to kick off with is just kind of how the Sharks are doing right now. Today was their game. Uh, we're recording on January 7th. Uh, so today they played their game against uh, the Winnipeg Jets away. Uh, in Winnipeg, they lost 4-1. They lost their two previous games to Ottawa and Toronto in, over- in, Toronto in overtime. I think before that they had one in, in Montreal, right? And then they had lost in Dallas. Dallas. So it yeah. wasn't a great road trip. Um, no, it was one, two, and One two. win out of five games, six games? One win out of five five games, yeah, because we were one, two, and two. Right. But uh, we had two OT losses, so we got but, points, you know, I guess. But points, but that OT loss to Ottawa was one of those – as I like to say, unacceptable losses of the year. As well as the loss to Dallas before. Yeah. That one, I brutal. I think I wasn't aware there was a game that day. I was still with my family up in Northern California, but um, when I saw that, I was like, oh, wow. So right. that, that one didn't hit me as hard as the Ottawa game because the Ottawa game, you know, going to the third, up 5-2, they're a solid defensive team. And then they give up three goals and then lose right at the beginning of overtime. It's just that's a that's a crushing, upsetting yeah. loss. Uh, Minx, are they a solid defensive team? Oh, now you're throwing that into question. <laughs> yeah, mean, it seems like some things have been flipped on their head this last like month and a half, right? Yeah, I mean the Sharks just played their fortieth game, so we know what the team is. Things are going through ebbs and flows, but it's halfway through the season in one game. Close enough to half. It doesn't matter anymore. We only have two games on hand <laughs> out of anyone in our division. Maybe three for some of the teams like Edmonton or Anaheim. But, uh, yeah. We will have, and, uh, they're just about to go on their bye week, right? So they have, mm-hmm. they're going to have even more <laughs> games in hand coming out of it. But it's no, going to be a lot of road games coming after the bye week, I've heard. Yeah, we uh, we were just talking before we started recording. The bye week this week is this year is different, and I believe most teams are either doing it at the same time, or like different, or there's a couple different time periods where a lot of teams are going to go in the bye week at the same time, and when they come back from the bye week, I think teams coming back from the bye week are playing each other instead of that kind of free-for-all that it was last year with just schedule it when we can, yeah. which uh, was really bad. I, I remember last year, I think we talked about it on our podcast, but um, teams coming off the bye week versus teams who had not just come off of their bye week, the, the record was like something like a 10% win rate out of like 20 games that were a sample size for that. So it was so clearly a problem. Yeah, definitely a problem, and it like those games weren't even fun to watch. It, like you would, the Sharks would come off of a five-game, uh, you know, break, and then they would play a 
team in the middle of their like division battle, you know, road trip, were, like already grinding away, and I was like, ooh, that was brutal. Yeah. So not not fun. <clears throat> well, it's kind of sad that we have you know, five, six days before another game. I mean, I haven't been able to see a lot of the games lately, and Holidays. I feel like I'm getting to a point where I can watch more, <laughs> a bit more, and now they don't have a game for another, like, five days. <laughs> so it's kind of sad. Yeah, the next one is on the 13th, I think. Yes. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Which is, is that next Saturday? Saturday. Yeah. It's coming Saturday. <sighs> against who? who? What's the next game against? Uh, and I think the one after that is L.A., it doesn't matter that much. Um, in a week. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's I, I do find that interesting what you said about, you know, are they really a good defensive team? Because I think, I guess if we are saying that that's called into question, then we'd be changing our tune, in a, a tune a little bit from what we were saying before. Because, you know, yeah. as of, you know, four weeks ago or however long it was I recorded, you know, they were pretty solidly uh, set up well in goaltending and, and defense. And over the last month, they've had a lot of games where they've had defensive lapses. And we've talked yeah. about how, you know, the power play has picked up. Not five-on-five five offensive scoring necessarily, but the power play has jumped into what, like top five, top eight or something yeah, like that? Yeah, for a while it was league? three. It was third <laughs> in the league uh, over these, uh, during this road trip. And then uh, we had one where we failed to score in like four or five chances, so it dropped to like fifth or sixth. But... It's like, yeah, it's in the 30, it's above 30%, which is a, a very good power play. So, yeah, that's def- definitely been carrying our team. I think if you see how our system is designed and our uh, team is set up, like we have a high precedent on defensive prowess. And you saw at the beginning of the season, that was like the only way we could win because we could not score for the life of us. Uh People like Thornton and Pavelski were coming off of uh, major off-season surgeries. Uh, There's an interview with Randy Hahn and Brady Brazil where Randy Hahn stated that Pavelski had off-season surgery on his hand, um, which confirmed, at least to me, I'm not sure if you had heard before that if he had surgery. I think we knew he had uh, an injury. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how aware of a hand injury I was from the playoffs last year suspected. or something. Pavelski I just know that he wasn't playing well this season yeah, so far. It's good to know yeah. that it's more like, hey, he was injured instead of... Yeah. Not that we want him to be injured, but it, instead of like, yeah, he was just sucking. It's like, <laughs> oh, well, there was a reason. That's good to know. Because uh, Pavelski, in the years, in the years past, uh, the Sharks have kind of stopped putting out the official injury report at the end of the season. I think oh, the, really? the last year, I don't think they did. And yeah, the year, yeah, I don't really before, remember that. Or just, you know, like final, I don't really remember. But, yeah, so it's kind of like, hmm, interesting. Uh, and Pavelski, like, never says anything's wrong with him, ever. Mm-hmm. Even though he's playing with, like, a broken hand or whatever, yeah. Uh, but he had a broken finger, had off-season surgery to fix that, which is why he was playing. Finger is important, but not important enough to stop you from playing. Uh, so that's why, if you remember early in the season, he was uh, not taking face-offs. Mm-hmm. And he didn't look good. Uh, you know, you have to take time off when you recover. Losing, not losing a finger, but, you know, that would keep you out of the weight room. 
that would probably keep you away from stick handling and practice and stuff while you're one thing I noted one thing I noticed in particular was him like um like not receiving passes very well or or even passing it well you know yeah his stick handling was was off and I think that's something that I think last podcast you talked about how Pavelski was doing poorly or this the one before that and yeah I think it was last one yeah um, and since then, <clears throat> I think Pavelski's play has been very noticeable and his zone entries are excellent. Mm-hmm. The way he protects the puck entering the zone is, is awesome. It's awesome to see. He, he very definitely, he doesn't do like dirty dangles around defensemen. Um, he, but he, uh, fishes and kind of uses his body to protect the puck and kind of wiggles the puck around on his stick, not like trying to get by people, but just to buy time and space and away from stick checks in such a way when he drives the center or to the side that it allows for a very, um, a very successful delay move to allow the, his teammates into open space behind as he draws yeah. players, which is really good. So it's good to see him uh, doing better. Uh, Brett Hedekin on one of the broadcasts recently was saying that you can tell he's doing better because he's starting to do wrist shots now. Which apparently he wasn't. <laughs> or wasn't doing as much. Right. But I was saying before, you know, like how many of his goals are off of deflections this year. And oh, yeah, seriously. Versus like he gets a, a you know, say a pass from Thornton and he gets a slap shot or he gets a quick wrist shot from a pass, you know, down below the goal line. Stuff like that where they also see... Uh, typical scoring chances that he goes for. Um, yeah. Also, but that combined with the stick handling stuff and the off pass, off passing, off reception of passes, uh, it was concerning. Definitely, he's one of our best players. So it's good to know that he's doing better. Also, yeah. standing in front of the net with like shots coming in all the time and getting slashed insanely and hooked and cross-checked while you have a surgically repaired finger dude what a warrior (laughs) (laughs) sounds Uh, like a great position to be in yes it sounds like how uh how you should recover it's a great way to build fortitude (laughs) yeah like (laughs) i i heard a um uh an interview i think uh again uh, another podcast that's great is The Bro Show by Brody Brazil. I like it a lot. It's not just hockey. It's Brody's podcast, which is mostly hockey, but I think there's been a couple like A's, uh, like uh, Oakland Athletics um, interviews. Yeah. Um, and he talks about kind of NorCal sports, which I like too, because, you know, we're from there. Um, and, and he talked about... Um, I'm forgetting what I was saying. Darn. Pavelski or... or uh... Oh, well. <laughs> Moving <Yeah>. on. <laughs> Moving on. I don't want to hang too long. If I remember, I'll, I'll jump in. Well, uh, yeah, yeah I mean... It's a good podcast if, if people have not heard of that. Uh, give it a listen. There's a lot to, a lot to be heard. You oh, think they're yeah, having... Dan Boyle. He was interviewing Dan Boyle. And oh, he yeah, I listened Dan to that. Boyle was uh, interested in... Or if he had started doing anything. And Dan Boyle's like, nope. Just enjoying being a dad and he's uh, building a house. So he said that if anything in getting back into hockey, he might be interested in being a GM. That's what he said. Yeah. 
And then Brody was, was like, really? That's a big step. And he's like, you asked me what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan but Boyle I totally get... in broadcasting, though? I can't imagine. That would... That's what he said. Like... He, he was saying that, like, he, even as a player, like, when you gave interviews, he was a fiery, tell like it is, no, nothing yeah. hold, held back. And he said he wouldn't be able to do broadcasting because you cannot say, you know, the NBC, NBC, uh, 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 NBC California people, they uh, are favorable to the Sharks. You know, they, they won't say they're not like only favorable, but they're definitely more favorable than maybe the athletic, I would say. Um, okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I think he was, he was just kind of commenting on, since that is the case and everyone kind of knows that, uh, he would not be able to, you know, hold back yeah. when the team was playing poorly or something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But he was saying that he's, he hasn't, he's been out for a year or two and he's, he's not done anything yet. Like I would totally enjoy just like resting my body for a few years. <laughs> like even if you're a coach or something like he's, the travel you do is, is rough. I so bet, yeah. I'm sure he's uh, enjoying his hard earned, vacation time yeah well anyway um i mean we've talked about the power play you know doing better and the sharks Mm -hmm. defensive issues but would you say they're kind of having like an identity crisis at this point in the season or how severe i mean like i said like we said they had one loss sorry two overtime losses and one win out of five or six games yeah so they're going through a rough stretch but how how bad how severe would you say this uh this problem is at this point I mean, I think it's interesting. Uh, you see the first quarter of the season, the team had to play like watertight defensive system in order to win anything, and we were doing okay. They were ugly wins, you know, and people weren't playing very well. People were hurt coming off of injury. Roster still had a lot of open questions. We weren't really sure. Um, and it's kind of moved into an area where we got a couple players back. People started to heat up. Don Scoy started to heat up. LeBanc and Meyer have been heating up. Couture has been doing really well. Uh, Pavelski's doing better. Pavelski's doing better. Burns has warmed up a bit. Burns has started scoring. And I think all of those coincided with um, maybe they're scoring more because our power play is doing better. So... Are we scoring more goals because our power play is doing better and they're getting more points off the power play? Um, And is that why we're scoring more goals? And because we're scoring more goals, they are sacrificing defense. I don't quite know how, you know, that whole network of... Because hockey is a continuum, right? If you're... In the offensive zone, you're explicitly not in the defensive zone. It's not like, like it's a continuous game, so everyone's doing something. Every every position you are is either more offensive or more defensive. Um, unlike football, where like there is a specific offensive team and a specific defensive team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's harder to isolate these things for sure. I mean, that's why advanced stats in baseball are like insanely developed, and in hockey, it's only recently getting. Um, getting out I and mean, even in soccer it's not really a ton because right. the game is so continuous but uh yeah i don't i don't know i don't think it's something to be worried about long term 
I definitely think it's like an ebb and a flow thing. Like as you like, De Boer is a defensively like a tight structure defensive coach. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, like he's going to coach the. I team mean, I to think part style. of his, I think part of his scheme is playing. You know, good possession style hockey as a means of defense as well. You know. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You can if you have the puck in the offensive zone. You're not in the defensive zone playing defense. Yeah, the other team doesn't have doesn't have the chance to produce, yeah. Yeah, so I, I have a note on that, but I think, you know, our 5-on-5 five five scoring is bad. We give up a lot of goals 5-on-5, five five, but we've also been scoring a lot more on the power play. So at the end of the night, whoever has the most goals wins. It doesn't matter if you had more 5-on-5 five five goals or power play goals. So... Who knows? Like, hopefully, if things come back to earth a little bit, you know, the power play doesn't go back to, like, worse than the league like it kind of was, or um, our goal scoring doesn't go back to, like, a, a goal a game, maybe two. You know, even in the beginning of the season, we had a lot of bad luck. If you, like, all those overturned calls, uh, no one was really playing very well offensively. People find, kind of found their groove and stuff, so... I think I think things will come back to earth a little bit. I think we'll yeah. get a little bit more defensively solid, and maybe that'll be a sacrifice at some offense. But I think a lot of our offense right now is coming from the power play anyway, which isn't really affected by that. If anything, I saw somebody post more power plays. Yeah, I saw somebody posted an interesting interesting stat today that said that Martin Jones has lost his six last six his six last starts. I don't yeah. know how to say that the right way. Yeah, goaltending <laughs> is another thing that has been really yeah. subpar, according to the bar that they themselves have set this season. Yeah. Because Jones, in the beginning of the season, he was our best player for sure. Well, Jones and Dell, I mean, they yeah, were like been, the best, been best goaltending duo, maybe, earlier. What? They were maybe the best goaltending duo earlier. Oh, the, yeah, they, the they they were, actually. Yeah. they There was... I think there's a stat on NHL.com that tracks the best duo or something like that, and it oh, was, it was the two. Hopefully, there's a there's an award for that at the NHL awards, and hopefully they end up winning that at the end of the season. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Well, things got to get together. Yeah, we got to get there again. first. I just I think for me, um, just seeing the way the team is playing and the problems that they have, it's it's like you don't want it to be a situation where you have like you spring a leak in the barrel and you try and plug it up and then another leak springs and then yeah. you plug that one up and then something opens up again. Like, cause it's, it's like defense wasn't an issue before. And now it's, Oh, they're letting in like five goals, six goals, four goals, you know, yeah. in the last few games pretty regularly. And then, but then the power plays better, but then the five on five has been a continuous issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just would hope that in the coming weeks as you know, they get into the, um, second half of the season here that they can have more of a normalization of the way they play, like get back to doing what they do well and kind of um, progress a little bit in their weaknesses, Um, which I think, yeah, like I said, is five on five, even strength scoring and even their power play. I don't know. Maybe it's because I haven't seen so many games lately, but their power play does not like impress me with the eye test still. I was watching today's game, the second period. They had a five on three. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because, um, you know, Winnipeg has the number one ranked power play in the league. They have like a third of their really goals good. they were scoring 
on their power play chances. Yeah, so, so they had a thirty-three percent. They have a lot of yeah. high cycling, and not along the boards, but like player movement cycling. In player the high movement, slot. yeah. And their passes are really fast. Like the sharks yeah. sit and wait. Exactly. For lanes to open as people move their sticks in and out. And as you can see with our power play percentage, it's effective. Like, that's fine. Um, but, but it doesn't seem killer, you know? But it is. It's third in the NHL. Like, I, I think I disagree with this. And I think this has been going I'm just, more towards what I've been... I've been reading a book, Hockey Strategies and Coaching. Yeah. And it's been really eye-opening on, like, the most... They say... The most effective shot on the power play is from the middle of the blue line towards the net on goal. And that's what every team, like most overload setups, go for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess I see what you're saying. And I think, like, I'm not saying that what they're doing is, like, wrong because it's being effective, but... Like you said, like I agree with you, they they stand still and they can make it happen. But um, like when you compare it with that, like you said, the the Jets by comparison have that fast passing. The players are moving to kind of create space. But I was watching the Sharks five on three, which they had in the second period. And I know with the five on three, it's kind of a bit of a dynamic. So there is a little bit more standing around. But um, it was pretty static. And then they were taking shots that like didn't make sense. Like Pavelski shot kind of at an off angle, like with somebody right in front of him. It just didn't make sense. And then Burns like went for a couple couple whaling shots that just, you know, had a bunch of traffic in front too, you know. Or five on three, you create enough with your passing speed, even if you're staying still, like where you create a great chance, you know. Um, Couture had a killer shot that scored when they when it went back to five on four. But even so... But yeah, I mean, I'm curious to hear what you have to say um, about the the strategy. So, uh, enlighten me. Yeah, I'm by no way an expert, um, but yeah, it's just been interesting because I think I've started to respect the Sharks' strategy of, you know, kind of sticking along the boards a bit. Um, I didn't. I agree with you. I don't think the Sharks have the players on the power play to play the way the um, the Jets do. Like, we just don't, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have one or two, but we don't have the elite caliber players who are fast and can think like that. Um, so I think our, our power play is the best. We have the be- almost the best players in the league for an overload setup, which is... Um, a player on the half boards, a player at the point, a player at the center point, a player, uh, wait, no, a player in the half boards, a player at the point, a player on the opposite half boards, a player in the high slot and a player at the net, which is, and then the power play is quarterbacked by the person at the half boards, which is Thornton. Thornton sits Mm -hmm. at the half boards and he is the best passer in the game. And they're the person quarterbacking the power play. You want them to be the best passer. So that's really good. And then all the shots, all the power play plays that are, you know, done are primarily done to get a, an open shooting lane to the defenseman at the point shooting. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's Burns. Burns is the best shooting defenseman in the league. He 
you know, won the Norris last year, had 76 points. The season before had 75, you know. And then the person on the other half boards is the uh, shooting option number two. And okay. that's like, like Kavelski a lot of times. Or Couture. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's Couture. Like, oh, Pavelski's in front shooting. of the net, huh? Yeah, Pavelski is actually the center lane. And the center lane person is like the second or third most important person in the power play. And what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to tip from the high slot. And <laughs> yeah. they're the person who just sits there and takes all the abuse with the cross checks and stuff. And by having someone directly in the middle of the power play, and it, it, imagine the shape as looking at a, a dice at the number five and then rotating it so it's a diamond instead of a square. Yeah. So you have three in a row and then two on the sides. Yeah. That's what it looks like. So Pavelski's right there in the middle. That keeps the box of players tighter around him because that's the most effective area to shoot from. So you cannot leave that player open. So it keeps the P- PKers honest by drawing them inside. And then you have Hurdle down low, who is the net front presence. He's really good at screening with his butt. He has some good power play. He has some good moves down at the goal line. You know, so everyone, like we have, for the setup that we have, it's a very standard setup. But with the players that we have in Couture, Pavelski, Burns, Thornton, like those are the best players in the NHL you could choose at those positions. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that our power play is the way it is, but it doesn't look pretty, but it just happens to be very effective. Yeah. Because like sense, I was yeah. watching the the power play today and uh, the five on three, like those are supposed to operate at a 50%. Like that's the kind of the target you go for. Um, like scoring percentage. Yeah. That was another thing in my book, which I just had never known. And those are kind of hard too. Because they never look good until you score. And it's just like... Well, like, it almost slows the game down, you know? Yeah, I always want them to do really quick cross-crease passing and stuff like that. Or to, like, you know, have a further box around so the players have to go out. Or get closer and closer and closer. I just... I I agree with you. It looked... It, I, I, it could have been better. But we scored right after, so, you know... That's I guess more of my problem was, like, not so much with the system, but the choices they were making. Like, some of the shots they took... Yeah, they, they just seemed a bit impulsive to me. Yeah, I feel like on a five on three, like why would you? I just don't understand on a five on three why would you shoot from the slot, the mm-hmm. defenseman, in the, not the slot from the blue line, right? It's like there's so little people, and like everyone collapses to the net, so you're way less likely to recover a rebound because like yeah. all the penalty killers are right in front of it. So I agree, weird shot selection. Yeah. Pavelski wasn't shooting very well either. Yeah. But, I, you know, to be honest, like, I'm probably not the best person to ask about the power play lately just because I need to hopefully maybe go back and watch some of the the games lately with how they've been playing on the power play with, you know, how they've been scoring. Yeah. Um, I think uh, another thing... it's not like it's just been, like, tips all the time, you know. It's nice that it's not tips. I totally agree. I really yeah. appreciate that, and I appreciate that Thornton's shooting more. And he's got a couple. Uh, all, all of his goals this season seem to be from that same slot, over on the left side, about the circles, mm-hmm. shooting to the top corner opposite side is where he sh- scores his goals. It's like Couture's sweet spot that he's shooting from. Yeah, maybe totally. a little bit closer to the net. Yeah, it's great. It's like Thornton, you can score goals again. Yes, <laughs> do it. I wonder in his mind if he's like, 
I'm getting old. Like, I'm coming towards the end of my career. Maybe I should shoot more. <laughs> <laughs> what career shooting milestone can I get? Yeah. Maybe I could get to 500 goals. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, like we mentioned earlier, I think the power play, it doesn't look pretty. It, it executes very well, as we can see through the league rank. Um, but... I, I, and that's probably about back to where we expect it. You know, the the players we have on our team, our power play should be top half of the league. You know, it shouldn't be like it was last season and earlier this season. It should be, you know, top 10, top 15 or something like that. It shouldn't be operating closer to 10%. It should be operating at 25 plus. So very glad yeah. to see that. I think that's kind of back to where it should be. Um, that was like a season and a half like slump which is pretty rough. But uh, like we mentioned earlier, just to my final thoughts, I think the biggest issue right now we're having is goaltending. I think our system we've been making, uh, it's nice to know that when you look at the goal scored, it's just defensive decisions, decision-making gone wrong. It's not like a lapse of system that mm. leaves them open for coverage. It's not like really fast teams are screwing us over you know it's like we can mm. the jets were really fast and i think for the most part this game we we handled it looked like we were in it and we were doing well and they got a couple of goals and then it was kind of yeah their game but it didn't look like we were getting dominated you know yeah and they're the fastest team the fastest most skilled team in the league and if we kept them at a really close score for the majority of the game like great you know yeah um you know scoring hope hopefully it stays up and the defensive stuff stays gets better. I think that will kind of come back a little bit. The biggest thing I think is goaltending, and I don't think that's been very good in this past like 10, 15 game streak. And like you said, mm-hmm. Jones's record is bad. What do you what do you what do you think about the goaltending? I yeah, I mean again, I would I would want to watch more, but I think You know, whenever I think of goaltending, I I pair it with, you know, what's, what's the defense doing and are they making mistakes? And, you know, if they are things that are correctable, then that's something that maybe a, a break will, will benefit the team to yeah. um, just have some time off or I don't think they're allowed to practice, right? So just they even having some time off Friday, and, the yeah, and just refocusing to not make so many mistakes. I think maybe when a team goes on a road trip for a while too, things can maybe fall apart a little bit so we know that the sharks can play an awesome defensive game i mean they've showed it earlier this season they've showed it the last couple years um just because that's the type of team they are that's the type of pieces that they have you look at their defensive depth chart and you know between vlasic braun um burns you know who can play good defense despite really terrible showing he's had the last yeah. few weeks. Um, and then, and I guess we'll talk about this next is our next topic with what's going to happen with Martin when he comes back. But I know this team can have a uh, great defense, but goaltending, I know they had, I'm really good goaltending. So when I think, say, see the goaltending falling short, then I also pair it with the defense. Um, I know, you know, Aaron Dell made a pretty bad mistake against Ottawa that led to their kind of comeback the other day. I... I think he made two mistakes, and that's one thing oh, I, I didn't, wanted to say. Yeah, I didn't see. What was the other one? Um, yeah, I, you made a great point. Like, the Sharks have had a road trip, and they had maybe two 
or so games in a row at home, and then they had the holiday break where everyone traveled and they weren't practicing. They came back and they went on a road trip. And when you go on road trips, it's like travel, morning skate, um, you know, game. You don't have practices where it's just a practice to work on a power play again, right? Like yeah. you can at home. Like you, you're practicing to prepare for that night's game. You can't really get the same type of practices you can when you have practice between games at mm. home. So I think that will really help things. Um, like you mentioned, Dell's like didn't hug the post right, and then Derek Broussard scored to make the game in reach for Ottawa and lift their spirits, and they ran away with it in the third period. He <clears throat> kept his head down from the top of the circles to the bottom of the circles. He did a no, not looking at the net, backhand pass on net from about five feet away from the end boards, about four or five inches above the red line, along the ice, and it slid through Arendelle. Like, that's terrible. And, you know, that happens every once in a while, that's fine, but I think it kind of shows that normally he's positionally very sound, and no one likes to give up those goals. I mean, Toronto... Frederick Anderson, like, you know, bobbled the puck and um, Tierney shot one from, like, point blank for, like, a free goal, which is great. You know, yeah. th- that happens. But uh, it, I think that shows a lack of practice and just, like, honing the technical side of the game for the goalies. Yeah. Like it has been for the whole team. You know, defensive, you know, goalies playing bad versus defense playing bad. Like, is that a chicken before the egg thing, you know? Like, are the goalies not stopping stoppable shots or are the goalies not stopping stoppable shots because the defensive positioning isn't where it should and they're making bad mistakes, you know? Or they're making yeah. okay mistakes and the shots are just getting through. But, yeah. okay, Aaron Dell needs to hug the post. That's great. But something that I've started to see him do is he, uh, he looks down... Uh, when the puck is going about shoulder height for him, or like you know, kind of okay. upper chest or higher, except for if it's going if it's going to, towards his shoulders, if it's going like you know around the neck or lower in his chest, he just you know kind of swallows it up. But if it's going to either shoulder, he ducks his he doesn't duck his head. He turns his head down, and I'm making a motion that mids can see, but the listeners can't. I'm sorry. But, like, if you were jumping the air to head a soccer ball and you kind of made, like, a hammer motion with your forehead to, like, hit the ball and you kept on going so that your chin touches your chest so that you're looking towards your own body, on his mask, that's, you know, covering the cage, protecting him, and he's providing, like, the top of his head as more protection if he, the puck hits him in the head, right? There's more padding there. When it goes to his shoulders, he ducks his head, which means he's not looking at the puck anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. On one of the goals in Ottawa, like it was a good goal. Was, I think it was Hoffman's first goal, where the puck was in the slot. It went out to the side, and uh, Dell um, Del scooted over, and it was going high, and he just like looked down and like guessed where it was with his shoulder, and it was scored. And I've, I noticed that he's done that more than just that time. And it seems like any... I'm rambling, I'll stop. But any it goes above his shoulders or towards his shoulders, 
and not directly into his chest, he loses sight of the puck purposely by ducking his head into his chest to protect his face. And as a yeah. goalie, you cannot lose sight of the puck. And the last like six inches of tracking can be the inch difference between you saving it and not. And I think that's a technically, this is, I am not a goalie coach, but I believe that would be something that you do not teach as a goalie coach <laughs> and you would want to correct. So I think that, I think that kind of just shows the defense is making some bad decision-making. I think the goalie's technical um, acumen it needs to be honed a little bit more at home with a, uh, maybe a refreshing break. Couture said he's going to Hawaii with some friends. Like, would love to join him. Um, yeah, maybe some practices at home would do well. Uh, Jones, Jones hasn't been playing well either, like his record states, despite me talking yeah. about Dell the whole time. Okay, well, so I want to, I do want to talk about Martin for a little bit. Oh, hey, Mochi. Sorry, my dog is, if you've been hearing some weird <laughs> licking noises, my dog is wanting to say hello. <laughs> she flipped out behind you there. She's the cutest Shiba Inu you've ever seen, so I'm not buying uh, it. Anyway, so Paul Martin, he's, um, I don't know what's going on. He's just, he was on a conditioning stint with the Barracuda, but I saw the Barracuda play last night, and he... No, he's back I mean, with he's the with the Sharks now on the, yeah. on the road trip, right? Yeah. And is his injury still holding him back or what? No. Uh, you may have missed it, but during the Ottawa game, NBC Sports California had a great graphic that showed the timeline of uh, Martin's injury. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't, I didn't take a picture or, you know, memorize it. But yeah. um, they said that he's he, there's a misconception that he's, like, still recovering or that he's okay. not healthy, and he, he is. He's practicing. He's just not playing yet. Um, because he had off-season surgery on his ankle, right? Some, yeah, foot, ankle, something yeah, like that. So yeah, so he had off-season surgery on his foot, missed the first game or two, and then or missed some games early and then played for two games. And he was okay then, but probably not 100%. And after the second game, or during the second game, he re-injured his foot, which had gave him a... Like, he wasn't playing up to speed. So then he, like, went back to the Barracuda and then had a... During conditioning Conditioning assignment or something like that, and then had, Mm -hmm. like, an injury setback or something like that. Don't quote me, but basically a lot of things are going wrong. And then he had, like, the flu or something. Um, my dog is like a little lion behind me and then he had the flu and it, it, yeah all bad um, but for the past six or seven games he's been healthy maybe even more than that um, more than healthy? Uh, more than six or seven games I, I believe Kevin oh, oh. Kerr said he expected like... he expected uh, the Sharks to play Martin on January 28th or no, February, December 28th. I forget who he played before that, but we had a bad loss or Joachim Ryan wasn't playing well. Uh, but we were winning for a little while, so he didn't want to mess with the lineup. And now that we're losing, Kurz again thought that Martin would go into the lineup after the blowout loss to Dallas. And he didn't. Again thought he'd go into the lineup after the terrible loss to Ottawa. He didn't, so it's like, 
okay, like the sharks aren't Gonna playing get well. <laughs> I'm just you know, kidding. like we need we need some changes. Like Bob Kerr was scratched for the very first time this season, this past game for the Jets. Really? He hasn't been scratched before? Not this season. Yeah. This guy yeah. He's been so unnoticeable. Dude, he's gonna get waved. It's bad. Like he, he it, the first season was like maybe it's just the first season he's having a rough time around. It's like no, this is just what Bob Kerr is. In, uh, with this system, at least, maybe there's a different yeah. system where he shines. But like, oh my gosh, that's so bad. Yeah. Um, then, uh, so I mean, what if Martin does come back? Then, <laughs> what does that mean for the defense and the pairings? Yeah, and... I, I, I like we. I don't think there's any defenseman that. St- sticks out as terrible you know like in years past i think there's been an easy defenseman to blame i think overall the sharks defensemen as a group haven't been playing great outside of vlasic abron but i'm sure people on the internet will say that that's not true um but like burns is making making bad decisions but he's going to be a double-edged sword anyways but 23 points in your last 21 games, like, we'll take it. <laughs> it's okay. You know, like, that's great. He yeah. leads all defensemen in scoring during the there's 21 <clears throat> games, which is, you know, crazy. Um, uh, Dylan DeMello is making great decisions. Uh, he's getting, he was even getting some power play two-unit time. So, like, I don't really have qualms with him. Uh... Like Joachim Ryan, I think he's playing better. He had came out really hot, was playing great, and then had a streak where he was getting very, very limited ice time from DeBoer and was even getting scratched. Tim Heed is doing well. Like, no one sticks out like a sore thumb, so I guess it's kind of just, like, hard for DeBoer to make that decision to bring him in. Yeah. Uh, I guess part of this is partly... Uh, more of a loaded question because we also talked about how Burns yeah. has a huge minus rating and kind of has been making some poor defensive decision making. I think one of the big things that stands out to me is when he frequently like drops to the ice and kind of a desperation slide or on his knees, which I again saw tonight. Yep. Um, and I know like from last season, he was like so good offensively, but he yeah. was like. Was it was understated that he was doing solidly on defense as well, you know? So in my mind, it's like, why can't he just continue with that solid decision-making? He's a um, minus 19 as of today. <laughs> that's really bad. <laughs> but, you know, like, is it really... People have said that Martin is, like, the key to, yeah. you know, keeping Burns safe and then letting him do his thing, and, and Martin will kind of cover for him, but... Yeah. Man, is he really that important, or is Burns just kind of having more of a personal off-year defensively? And will Martin coming back really make that much of a difference? Uh, it's hard for me to imagine make that much of a difference, but yeah. who knows? Um, Dylan is his current partner and has been yeah. for foreseeable past, like, I don't know, maybe even more, but basically this season. Um. Yeah, great question. I think that's probably the biggest question right now that DeBoer is facing. Um, what's the difference between 
uh, Dylan, who feels the need to play offensively and defensively, like every defenseman, yeah. except for, yeah, even I mean, Burns, yeah. But when you're, when Martin is paired with Burns, the only offense Paul Martin is ever, like, given is like, oh, here's the puck on the point with no pressure. Just go ahead and take a shot. That's, like, the only offensive decision he ever has to make. So yeah. he's, like, literally, like, the only defenseman on the team when paired with Burns who has only a one-sided game to think about. Only off, only defense. Only puck <laughs> out of the zone. Only neutral zone play. Only keep it in play when you're in the offense. So not surprising that, you know, that takes a big load off of Burns where he knows that it's not someone else also making an offensive choice. It's just one person. Um, I think you, you mentioned kind of a personal thing as well. Like, I think Burns definitely took some time to, uh, I'll say mourn the loss of Bugner. I guess him and him and Bugner had a really special relationship. Kevin Kurz has reported on that with the athletic. Um, yeah, Bugner in the two seasons Bugner was there, Burns had his 75 point and 76 point season and won a Norris trophy. So, like, clearly yeah. there is some stuff there, and Burns has kind of come to form recently. So I think it's a mix of a lot of things. Um, and I think with Dylan in the lineup when he's paired with Burns, I don't think he's given kind of the same mentality of, you know, never make offensive choices, leave that to Burns. So yeah. the decision making, they get themselves into hairier situations, and they both have to make different decisions. You know, I think maybe what could be keeping Martin out of the lineup is foot speed. I think our defense play a pretty fast game. I think people always say the Sharks are not very fast. I think fast is not how fast you can skate, but it's how quickly you move the puck out of your zone into the neutral zone. And the Sharks play a very fast game. And part of that is uh, defensemen using foot speed to escape play. Not necessarily all forwards being fast or something like that. And it's very noticeable with Justin Braun and Brendan Dillon. I think you've commented on that too. Would you agree? Yeah. That they're just like way faster. And on the broadcast, they've said that that's a point that they made to work on the offseason. They're proud of it. DeBoer loves it. Tim Heed's fast. Joachim Ryan's young. He's got it. Burns is fast, too. Vlasic is so smart, he never has to use it. Paul Martin is like 36, 37, and not fast. He, he, that was exactly why he was removed from the lineup, was he wasn't 100%, and he, it was so egregious, his foot speed in those two games he played. Now, I understand that there's probably some injury concern with him and not really rehabbing correctly, which brought that to be the case, but that's an issue, you know? And yeah. I think that's probably what's keeping you out of the lineup now because there's been ample opportunities after, you know, big losses or terrible games played for DeBoer to want to shake up the D and he hasn't. Yeah. So, um, I see what you're saying. I think, yeah, that team, uh, defense, I guess the way they play defensively requiring that foot speed is important. But so what does that mean? I mean, we have some 
you know, floating pieces, I guess, on defense. Our, our defense is stacked one, two, three guys extra. Um, not to mention we kind of have uh, <clears throat> some extra forwards that we're dealing with, I guess. Some guys getting scratched between, like, you know, Bodker, Hansen, Sorensen. Um, I mean, Oregon's with the Barracuda, but yeah. uh, Goodrow, Carlson, Tierney. I guess we have some guys that are always going to be scratched. And so what does this mean for the trade deadline coming up? We talked about... Um, Dell. Yeah, Dell. You know, we talked about Dell before, but, you know, Tierney has been thrown around as rumors of like being a really good trade priest, but do we really want to give up Tierney? Cause he's been a good third line center from you or I, um, or what's that? We had those rumors between ourselves. Well, or I know media? I, Paul Gackle, at least he's been the biggest oh. proponent of like, I think he said that Chris Tierney would be a very uh, Desirable. valuable piece. I think in a trade, it would be tough to give him up, but he would be valuable. Oh dude. Um, I would not want to get up Tierney. Like he got that That's the bridge thing. contract. He's always here. like, though, you need to give up something valuable, though, to get something valuable. Oh yeah, so. totally. But I think which I th- is true. True. I think yeah. a young, defensively responsible, offensively capable, young center who's quick, shifty, and can play in all situations. I mean, I just repeated myself. But Chris Tierney is like, he's good. Like you know, if your third line mm. center can score thirty or forty points you're set and -hmm. like how oh my gosh yeah chris tierney would would be a big piece i mean not a big piece but he would be a very very valuable asset so many teams have those top two lines down but that third line center is that hard piece to get you know Mm -hmm. so i think he i think he's a great asset uh i said some heresy the other day when i was driving back from sedona (laughs) <laughs> I said uh, maybe Donskoy could be leaving the team, and this is you didn't say that so directly. You said like I said him being traded. I said could Donskoy be traded? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> and then we got mad at each other. So, um, but I think uh, Donskoy. I think he's on. People have been talking about how good he's been playing and and all that, and. Um, Donskoy is on track for a like 36 point season, which was like uh, back when I did this calculation, uh, like I think on January 3rd, a couple days ago, he's on track to be like one point better or just a few points better than his career career year, which is like 34 or 35 points. Mm. And like, that's still not good. Jonas Donskoy is mm. not a third line player. Jonas Donskoy is the second line player and what keeps him from more points is not his ability but his consistency and i think he's still struggling and his injury him. what <laughs> and you could argue his injury and his injury yeah so i think as a concept <laughs> yeah i think uh you know he's 25 i i was saying that nhl forwards peak scoring peaks at like 26 27 and i think that's true when you consider raw ability and I think consistency is also in that. But uh, Donskoy only entered the league when he was 23. Um, this is his third season. And he's, you know, kind of made it click a little bit, but still not quite yet there. Whereas in the last 20 games, uh, Meyer and LeBanc have definitely made it click. LeBanc is killing it with his assists, has a goal, and maybe two. Um, Meyer has, I think... 
four or five goals, six or seven points total. He's been doing great. All all these people were heating up when Carl or uh, when Couture was gone. Donskoy yeah. went cold, but Hurdle's having a career year. He's on pace for fifty. You know that's that's a huge point for us. Hurdle being having poor years after you know sliding sliding him into the top six really hurt us. So him being back in pace for a fifty point season is great. But Donskoy, yeah, if Donskoy can't find consistency, uh, that's going to hurt him. Obviously, but yeah, he's twenty five. He came into the league late, so I think his scoring might peak maybe when he's like 28 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think ability and like finding how to score in the NHL is what he struggles with. I think it's just consistency at this point. Yeah. Um, so I think since he came into the league so late, I think he'll, he'll peak later. But yeah, he'd be a good, great piece to move. Um, like you mentioned, all those forwards. He's a winger. We can afford to lose a winger more so than a center. Um, he's a right winger too, which is traditionally the least defensively responsible winger. Um, they're the winger that is generally the stretch player, which I learned about my hockey strategy book, which was kind of fun. I didn't know that left wing generally has more responsibility than right wing, which is fun. Um, so yeah, so uh, he's in theoretically the easiest to replace position and he's on the third line, not the second line right now. So, you know, that could, I feel like we could swallow that best and still be giving up, like, a, a decent asset in Don Skoy, you know? Um, Tierney would be hard how to dare replace. Dell, what'd you say? <laughs> I'm just, I said, how dare you? Yeah, we had a, you, you got mad. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. How just fair. <laughs> how dare you trade that historic player in our franchise? Yeah. Yeah, Hanson coming off the books will be a blessing, dude. He's so bad. Hanson? Yeah, he's been scratched for four. I like the way he plays, but I season. think he's another player that doesn't fit with our system too well. But he was brought, like, we gave up Goldobin for him, which is just, like, hurts when you think about it. Because you're like... But then you look at what Goldobin is doing, yeah. and you're like, oh, that's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, but you, you'd think the Sharks could have... Maybe traded with a different team and got a different one-year-old player. I think we could have been done better. Like I think that was a fail for both teams on that. Like it was just a bad hockey trade. (laughs) But uh, uh, Ward coming off of the books next season, Tierney up for a bigger contract next season. Um, We still have Meyer. Could be a pretty different-looking team next season. Yeah, Meyer and LeBanc still have one more season on their entry-level deal. Um, Aaron Dell is a UFA at the end of the season, which is why we think he will be um, leaving. But okay, let's not. Talk I won't about say leaving next season. Yeah, let's talk about trade deadline, which is coming in about a month, right? Yeah, December, uh, so, <laughs> December, uh, February twenty eighth. Um, oh, on the broadcast, Randy Hahn so. was saying that um, Sharks fans know that Doug Wilson generally likes to make his moves before the deadline. So, yeah. Uh, um, uh, like weeks before and then leading up to it instead of at it specifically. Right, right, right. What what makes sense to me, I mean, based on what we have is if we were to go after more of a somewhat high-profile player, I think we could make... This is so speculative. Like, we, know, we so don't know anything and, like, we don't know what the mind 
is of Doug Wilson. But I mean, we have like who knows heat or right. Like think about a package sending it to a team that maybe wants to replenish like youthful players that have upside and that could contribute to the team um, for the future. Like think about packaging a deal of like either um, Joachim Ryan or Heed with like Chris Tierney or Don Scoy and Dell, you know, like that's, and maybe a prospect or something like that. Other than that, that's like some pretty good pieces sent over. You're saying like that could be a package. Yeah. Or like you could take those pieces to make a package. Like you, I'm saying those all together as a package. For who? <laughs> I don't know, dude. See, this is, I don't it's know like, anything. Why wouldn't you want that? That'd be great. It's like, cool. But then we literally taken the entire bottom half of our roster and said, bye. <laughs> and then yeah, who do no. we have filling in? Like AHL scrubs. And then we get like one player back, maybe two. It's like, you get a Vander Kane and then our bad contract. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But, I mean, if there was a team... Two, two, I don't two or three know of those the together. Other, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Like, those players seem like, to me, that they, they're young. Mm-hmm. They could contribute to an upcoming team. They've, like, shown enough that they could be good play, like good players in the NHL mm-hmm. to contribute. It's like a team in roles. Yeah. Um, I just don't know what team would be looking to do that and to trade, a, a, like, a valuable single higher commodity player you know yeah also into that you have to consider their contracts uh donskoy has another year all of next season signed so that's good yeah tierney is not he's an rfa at the end of this season um <clears throat> tim heed and Joachim ryan are both have one more season on a contract or very cheap dylan Demello can't be traded because he's on IR I guess but he's a RFA at the end of this season so you have to also consider that as well like if we're trading all these RFAs like they could just not resign so that'll diminish their value for sure yeah okay but I feel like RFAs usually do sign <laughs> yeah they, they have limited <laughs> yeah. rights right they can't go to any any team yeah um do you know what player outside of a, you know, another young player who'd be great to trade in their prime. Tell me. Bodker, 28. <laughs> oh, dear, no. We will never be able to trade Bodker. Dude, yeah, dude. I don't know. At this point, just wave him and put him in the AHL. But... <laughs> You know, <laughs> and if somebody picks him up, yeah, okay. just like you gotta just like hope someone on the waiver wire is like, all right, we need like this. Carolina, we need this, like, right? Yeah, let's get him. We're never up against the cap. Let's just take him. And the, like, as he I like say goes that, back to Arizona. <laughs> he has like tons of cap space. <laughs> he goes to the Oilers and kills. <laughs> oh no! Oh my gosh! If they think that he's like the piece they need to like turn their season around, dude. Yeah, they're. Halfway through the season, they're closer to being a lottery pick than the art of the playoffs, which just makes me feel so good. I actually kind of want to ask, can we actually decide that the Oilers are bad, or is it one of those situations where they're going to have like a bounce-back second half? Because I'm worried that it's going to be like a bounce-back second half. No, you know? no they're, they're, they're so far in hole they can't, they can't win. If they get into playoffs, it's going to be 
second wild card spot at the end of the season by one point. Yeah, it just seems like there's so often the last few seasons you have these teams getting on like 14 game win streaks and like yeah. a f- 13 and two yeah, record. Yeah, but those in were the those were 15, like pretty you know? good teams that were playing well for the whole season, like Columbus yeah, and the know. Wild. Like they were good teams and they played really well for a long stretch, which is great. And you know that yeah. inflated their position going to the playoffs because not every team is going to win 14 in a row, 17 in a row. And they aren't always going to win that many in a row. So that gave them a much higher seed, which they earned. But it didn't necessarily mean that they were the best team. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I know what you mean. It just seems like streaks like that can change your yeah, but I, positioning for sure. Just the, I wrote a whole long note just like, we're so bitter against the Oilers. Can we be honest? Like Seriously. Yeah, I think the... There is bitterness. Like the decade of just... <laughs> absolutely horribly managed team and the NHL I swear there's some sort of like I don't know backroom NHL Gary Bettman favoring the Oilers to bring them back to greatness they had so many first overall picks in like <laughs> okay so that's long. a big claim dude <laughs> yeah that's a that's a lie but that's me tinfoil hatting like hating the Oilers but like they had so many first overall picks for so long and they still couldn't win because they were so mismanaged. And then they get a non-terrible GM, and then brings them into one season of great, two seasons of greatness, one of greatness, two of mediocrity at minimum. And then absolutely trades away like every single one of their best players for just like mediocre players. And then now they're terrible, and they're signed to so many contracts that they can't do. McDavid's $20 million or $12 million deal kicks in next season. Uh, Saddle is already on the books, right? already on the books for this season. They have to re-sign. Like, Lucic is still making $6 million for until he's 34 for another, like, five seasons. And he's still scoring oh well, but at 34, will he be scoring like that? Probably not. Like, Nugent Hopkins is doing well. Like, they still have no one on defense. Like, they're so screwed. And their bottom six is made full of nobodies. And 30% of their salary space goes to two players in Dreisaitl and... Um, Dreisaitl and uh, uh, McDavid. And you look yeah. at the... You look at uh, Chicago and you're like, oh, well, you know, Taves and Kane, they can do it. But they're like organization is so well run it's like a well-oiled machine and they somehow find like these like entry-level gem players every two years that have like these major breakout seasons and they go really far in the playoffs now that's kind of dying after so many years of doing that but the oilers are so far away from being a such well like run machine it's just bad and when mcdavid's contract kicks in next season it's just gonna be still terrible there's they still have a Patrick Maroon playing on his like entry level deal or something like that, or like a one million dollar deal or under a million, and he scored like thirty goals two seasons ago or something like that or twenty five. Like he's due for a pay raise, and they can't afford even another like half million from anyone. So they're gonna fire yeah. someone because like last so like all the decade of them being terrible and then two seasons of that. Okay, good for them, but then their fans and the media were like, they're the best team in the NHL. They're going to win the Stanley <laughs> Cup. It's like, no, 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 it's no, no, It's pretty satisfying no. that they're not close to it's that. It's like that right Michael now. Scott gift. Like, no, no. 
It's just like, okay, yeah, you're great, good. But it takes a couple seasons to build on stepping stones. And, like, same with the Coyotes. They, they're like, oh, they made great off-season deals. They're going to be a playoff challenger, dark horse competitor. And then now they're like, no, they're actually very terrible. And they maybe just hit double-digit wins in the season. Mm. Sorry for the rant. We don't like the Oilers. No, I mean, I enjoy your rants sometimes. Also, their jerseys are <laughs> ugly. The Oilers? Yeah, they have... I noticed they changed the blue on their jersey. It's like a different blue. Yeah, it's like the primary... It's like just like the inverse of the Islanders jersey now. <laughs> like, okay. But now the primary... Their, their blue is like... Rich, like a more dark... It's like more of like a navy now. Yeah. It's like a... Yeah. It's like orange is a primary color is a Flyers thing. And you have orange and blue. You can make such beautiful jerseys like the Chicago Bears like alternate where it's like navy blue with like burnt orange numbers. Like burnt orange accents would be so cool. But they have that jersey that they have and it's like... Ugh. Ugh. Mm. It's me barfing. <clears throat> okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. We hate the Oilers. Yeah, we hate the Oilers. <laughs> um... <laughs> Trade deadline, uh, getting us back on topic after bringing us off topic. Um, let's, let's not talk about the trade deadline anymore because it's all speculation. All speculation, but there's been some talk about the Sharks looking for a fourth-line player. I think a, a solid fourth-line center. Ryan Carpenter did not win. He had a good audition last season. He got his contract, did not make it this season, got waived. Claimed by Vegas, still hasn't played. In Vegas, or if he has, he played his first game in the past, like, four days. Uh, O'Regan, for some reason, cannot get in the coach's graces. Uh, people mention his size, that consistently at the NHL level, he can't cut it with his size and speed like he was able to do in college and in the AHL. Um, he's 24, mm. you know, like, if he was going to make it in the NHL consistently, he probably would have done it by now. I don't know why he's still down there. Coaches don't like it. Advanced stats people will harbor that the coaching staff is forever making terrible decisions with him. I don't really know. Um, they made Barclay Gaudreau a center on the fourth line, and he seems to be doing okay, but he's a winger. Ward is not... He's too old to be relied on after this season. Like He's up, I think. So we need we need someone as a fourth line. So I can see us acquiring that more easily than a all star elite. Oh, for player. sure. Yeah, I would love yeah. both. Both. Yeah. 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 Can I just say like, so I went to a Barracuda goals game yesterday. Mm-hmm. The AHL is so hard, so much harder. Like, follow like what's going on in a way, just because it's. The at the game or as because a it just fan. doesn't like no not following as a fan like following what's happening during the game just because the skill level is not you know with the NHL like they're the best you can see how they set up like systems more it's more it almost looks slower but it's more organized mm-hmm. and and you could see the system that teams play like AHL games are just so crash bang hit them go for shots one chances two chances just go really hard. It, it, things don't like really develop too clearly. So whenever I'm at those games, I'm just like, "What's who's What's who has the advantage right now? Like, it, did they set us something up, or just going for things? Like, 
There are more fights too, so yeah. that's it's like more chaotic in that way too. They're fun, but it's uh, I feel like I don't know what's going on as well as <laughs> when I go to an NHL game. It's strange. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've never been to an AHL game. I've been to a WHL game. I went to the Seattle Thunderbirds versus the Saskatoon Blades, and that was actually pretty okay. good. I yeah. had a lot of fun. It was also yeah. $2 hot dog, nachos, popcorn, and beer night. So it was pretty wow. sweet. Tickets half price, so nice. that was sweet. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was like, oh, I can see that these players have skill. And at that level, I don't think you can fight in the WHL. Don't quote me on that. I don't know. I'm not sure if you can. It was a little bit better than that, right? Because at that point, no one is trying to make it into the NHL. Like, no one's professional yet, you know? So mm-hmm. Those were fun. Yeah. But, uh, well, I've clearly run out of topics, so... <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We should probably close this up soon. Yeah, I think the teams... Okay, let's talk about the standings. But uh, oh, yeah, final, yeah. final thought Finish on the that, yeah. trade deadline stuff. In that same vein, I totally agree with you. Our roster next season is going to look very different. Mm-hmm. Good For good or bad, it will look different. Yeah, a couple of the older players are ending their contracts this season, so and won't be resigned. They shouldn't be resigned. Yeah, like I don't know of any older player that should be resigned. Outside of Thornton, should be resigned no matter what. And that's Ward maybe resigned on a one-year deal for cheap money, but then he's going to be a fourth-line player. Hanson, uh, I don't not. know. Martin, yeah. why isn't he playing? That makes me think maybe he should. <laughs> yeah, that's TV deter- TV. Yeah, it's like, why aren't you playing right now? You have another two years. so. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the Sharks are third in the Pacific. Currently got a um, playoff spot. And they have Barely. Two, right. two games in hand. Let's look. They have two games in hand on Los Angeles, one on Vegas, who are second and first, respectively. And then Dallas and Colorado have the wild cards. Minnesota, Anaheim. Oh, wow. Calgary, Chicago, Anaheim, Minnesota, and the wild card two spot are all separated by two points. So it goes 47, 47, 47, 46, 46, and the Sharks have 48. And of Minnesota, Anaheim, Chicago, and Calgary, and Colorado in the second spot, because the first wildcard spot is 51 points, so that's pretty much locked in with Dallas. Anaheim and Calgary are in the Pacific. So the Sharks could go... Man, Anaheim... The Sharks are on the cusp. Yeah, and it could be bad. Especially if our play continues and things don't really get better. Anaheim is getting healthy. Perry and Getzlav and Kessler all started to get healthy, played a couple games. Kessler just got injured again. Wah, wah. But Anaheim is finally getting back to healthy. They salvaged their season somehow with all of those injuries. I feel like they can catch us given our play as of late. We still have three games on hand on them. But if we do that, we slip far down. Lose a game to Calgary. They're only separated by one point. You know, we're down. We're down to like 
almost fourth from the bottom in the Western Conference, that's like a top 10 pick. Mm. A lot of talking, sorry. No, I'm just looking right now. The, the Sharks have only three teams who have less goals than them this year. And Vancouver has the same number of goals as them at 110. So... I mean, goals scored? Goals scored, yeah. Um, not, a, not a great thing. No, um, not good. <laughs> there's a few teams that have only like a few more goals than them. Speaking of um, goals scored... What was that yes. stat about Marlowe? So the stat with Marlowe was that around this time last year, the team had less goals last year with Marlowe on the team. Less or the same. It's like, great. Yeah. Ultimately, to me, though, that's just like, okay, it's like, so what? We're not good at scoring still. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> like that doesn't Marlo change anything. Last season, we were still having a scoring problem, but you're saying we yeah. still have a problem, but it's not as bad as it could be. it's like great that makes me feel wonderful oh dude you know what's terrible what okay so i just looked at goals four scored is that what you did yes well i was just yeah calculating them yeah okay we're fourth from the bottom the canadians are below us they're probably in a similar situation maybe more dire but then it's Below us are the Coyotes and the Sabres, like the two worst teams in the NHL. Like, yeah. we're dumpster fires. Yeah. And the Canucks are ahead of us. Same with the Senators and the Red Wings and the Panthers and the Blue Jackets. It's like, oh, <laughs> this is bad. We're still second best in goals against, though. They, only Los Angeles is better. So we have 106 goals against, and Los Angeles has 99, and they're first. So and you're looking at NHL.com? I am. I'm just looking at the total numbers and just comparing yeah. them across all the I'm teams. I'm getting that the Sharks have a different number, but you probably have refreshed it. Are oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Boston is – sorry, Boston is equal with us with 106. Uh, sorry, Boston is second place with 102. We are third now. Yeah. Sorry, I, f- I forgot to look at the Eastern Conference. Oh, I'm sorry. Tampa Bay is number three, and we're number four. I we're keep still on changing good. what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, a, it's like two or three goals each way. Oh, actually, we're 20th. <laughs> actually, the Sharks are in the AHL. Teams. Sorry. No, I'm kidding. I th- I'm pretty sure we're actually fourth in goals against. That's what I So see that's well. good. Um. Yeah, you know, it's like maybe things aren't going as good as they had been earlier in terms of goals against, but it's all relative, you know, like we're still like doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's hoping to the Sharks having an awesome second half and winning the Stanley Cup in the playoffs. Yeah, you could go for that, man. I think if the Sharks get in to the playoffs and they play a tight defense, I think that can go... I think tight defensive schemes, as we saw with Ottawa last year in the playoffs, can take you pretty far. Mm-hmm. And I would say that the Sharks are a better team than Ottawa. Oh, yeah. So, who knows? You know, that's you know that's what they always say, just get into the tournament. If we get in, that'll make for a way more interesting uh, 
paternity leave for me during April. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> that's true. For the sharks while I watch. Watch your your baby. Yeah, we watch my baby. Sorry, yeah. I must say, like, the more years you're a fan, the more you're like less stressed overall about the regular season. <laughs> yeah, you're like, eh, just get him. <laughs> yeah. And if they don't make it, you're like, eh, we got a high draft pick. But it's still frustrating when they go through these like streaks of like three losses in a row. It's just like irritating. Dude, that Ottawa loss hurt me in my car, dude. I got so yeah. mad. I was just like in Sedona watching it late at night and I was just like the game ended and I just like had it paused at the end after, you know, the all the stuff was over and I was just like googling on NHL.com looking at our stats and kinda of, like just like fuming for like an hour. I was like so <laughs> Oh, it no. was bad. It was just like, such like a it was such a perfect metaphor for the shark season. Like play really well, absolutely shut down the other team with a nice defensive game, score a couple goals, get some power play goals, and then immediately fall apart. And it was like, yeah, that does describe our season. Play really well in the beginning, and then fall apart with stupid defensive mistakes at the end. Oh, okay, okay. Are you talking about last season or this season? This season. this season, just like the first 20 games, really good defensive, get some oh, goals yeah, when you yeah. can. And then the last like 10 or so games, we've really kind of fallen apart a bit on the defensive side of things, which is yeah, when yeah. they scored. They came back from three goal deficits twice and then one in OT, which hurt. Oh, boo. Yeah. And we were so, we were a shot from the post from winning in Toronto on the shootout. Chris Tierney beat, he was the, Last shooter for the Sharks. He beat Frederick Anderson, and it went corner post out instead of corner post in. And it was on the inside yeah, but, of the post. It didn't like deflect on its way out. It was. But Marlowe also had the game on his stick, and he hit the post before yeah, that. Yeah, and it's, yeah, you're, think, you're but, right. It's such like a whatever thing. Yeah. But do you see LeBanks to uh, dangle? Oh, that was so dirty. Yeah, dude. Oh, gosh. LeBank and Don's going, hey, like that would be nice. Yeah. But LeBanks was like, he went so far out and, and then cut back in. It was so interesting. Yeah, it definitely got the goalie for a loop. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. So I hate shootouts, though. Yeah, especially in person. They're the most stressful thing of my life. Listening, I was listening to it on the radio. And it, like, listen, even listening to it on the radio is like, huh, huh, what's going to happen? Your heart's like, you're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Your heart's like, you're not okay. You're actually stressed. <laughs> oh, man. That feeling during playoffs? Your heart fluttering during playoffs? Oh, man. Can't wait. Can't wait. I hope we get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? If we it's don't so get exciting. in, given how the standings are going, I think we could easily slip pretty low and get a good pick. Don't say that right now. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're blabbering now, yeah. but this, this is a fun podcast. Um, we went over... Kind of like our Never. original times. We're just hanging out. But that's okay. We're hanging We're out. We're hanging out. We don't like to Maybe some other long. people want to hang out with us. But we only Probably talk about the there. sharks and sharks things <laughs> instead of just random stuff. Like how Except we talk about our lives time. for the first few oh. minutes. <laughs> oh, wait. Yes, we do. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll record in the next couple weeks again then. Yeah, I think we have a recording date set up. So. Yeah. All right, well, it's been fun, and go Sharks. Go Sharks. See you next time.